Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. How's it going, y'all? Welcome to WBC Central. Uh, Let's talk about the World Baseball Classic. And there is so much to talk about today. Um, This is the third episode of WBC Central. Uh, We had two episodes last week, and just from... Thursday, or yeah, I guess last Thursday until today, we are recording on Monday night, February 6th. If you're listening to this, you're probably listening on the 7th. Just in those few days, there has been a flurry of national team and uh, and player news just in those, those few days. It has been ridiculous, um, both good and some bad news, I guess, for the World Baseball Classic. There's there's just so much to go over. So today's mostly just going to be news, um, just like news updates for the tournament, um, different players that have committed, different players that have decommitted, and kind of what we're expecting to see going forward. Because this week, and we'll talk more about this, tomorrow, the 7th, if you're listening to this, probably today, um, is the day that the final rosters are due for the World Baseball Classic. So we'll get into that. But we'll start with um, today is 30 days until the World Baseball Classic. So we are officially within a month of the start of, of the WBC. I'm unbelievably excited, especially with all of the crazy roster news. I'm just ready for it to be here so that we can actually watch like international baseball uh, to watch this World Cup of baseball. Super excited for uh, for that to happen. 30 days until it's here. Um, the first games are on uh, March 8th. The final is on the 21st. So, yeah, today was insane. A lot of news that came out today, but I'll go over the last couple of days as well. Um, we'll start with, I wanted to mention one thing uh, real quick before I go into the news, actually. I had a follower reach out to me, and I really appreciate uh, that he did reach out. The, his Twitter account is at Y-O underscore Z-I-N-K-Y, Yo Zinky. Um, and he, he pointed out something that I made a mistake on in the last 
episode. I mentioned so the, during the Q&A session, uh, the question was, who are the teams or the, like the, the countries that would benefit most from making a deep run in the WBC? And I mentioned like the European teams because a lot of the European countries do not have like established baseball, like an established baseball foundation in their country. So uh, I mentioned specifically, I think, Great Britain and Italy. Um, and he, he, he DM'd me to mention that, uh, to remind me that Italy does actually have a pretty significant baseball history uh, in their country. They've had a, uh, a league of their own since the 40s, the 1940s, without interruption. Like for almost the last 100 years, about 80 years, they've had an actual domestic league there. Um, I think that maybe more of the reason why there aren't more baseball fans is because the country loves other sports just all the more. Um, they're really big soccer fans, really big Formula One fans. So baseball kind of falls by the wayside. But I, I incorrectly mentioned that they don't have baseball history. That's untrue. They have a lot of baseball history. So thank you for reaching out and pointing that out because um, Italian baseball definitely has some uh, some deep history. There's a, a documentary that he shared with me called City of Baseball. It's on YouTube. I'll put it in my description of my YouTube channel and uh, so that y'all can watch it if you'd like or you can just search up city of baseball the italian baseball documentary i haven't watched it yet but i've heard it's good so definitely check it out so yeah i wanted to start with that another piece of news the caribbean series has been going on for uh international baseball in caracas venezuela last night i didn't get to watch the whole game and i'm so upset i didn't get to because i watched the last couple innings and it was just unbelievably electric uh, it's so the Caribbean series, for those who don't know, it's the winter league winners of all of the, uh, Caribbean, uh, Latin American winter leagues teams. So the winners of those leagues all play in what is called the Caribbean series. And so these teams, these actual club teams are representing their country. So you have last time we had Venezuela versus, uh, the Dominican Republic, but in reality it was Lice versus, uh, Leones. So, um, there were two teams from. Dominican Republic in Venezuela. Unbelievably electric. Went to the bottom of the 12th inning, walk-off. Um, Venezuela won in Caracas, Venezuela. Um, the crowd went wild. It. I, I can't talk about it too much because I didn't watch the full game. I know there were a couple errors, uh, a couple uh, come from behind. Um, like There were a couple leads that both teams had that the other team had to come from behind. So just chaos, but I really want to go back and watch it because I only got to see those last like two or three innings. Uh, but it, it looked like so much fun. Another update uh, in international baseball, Fernando Valenzuela, El Toro, uh, the pitcher for the Dodgers for a long time, uh, finally is having his number retired by the Dodgers this, this next year. Number 34, he is the best. He's known as the best Mexican baseball player of all time and is widely regarded as the most influential player in Mexican baseball history as well. So um, it's about time. It's probably a little bit past due, but it's, it's really cool to see that he is finally getting his number retired by the Dodgers. Uh, next, I know a lot of y'all have been asking about merch for the classic, and there's finally starting to trickle in a little bit of uh, a couple updates for uh, for merch that's actually public, mostly just hats right now. But there's been some reports that at Lids and Dick Sporting Goods, there's been some hats that have been available. Lids, a couple different stores across the country have the new 2023 WBC hats in, 
in store. Uh, only a couple countries right now, I think only like USA, Puerto Rico, and Dominican Republic. Uh, but I've seen just today that on Dick's website, they have uh, a lot of the hats for pre-sale. So definitely go check out the Dick's website and then also um, it, you, maybe your local lids will week or so. Um, yeah, another update, Taiwan finalized their 30-man roster. They officially submitted it. Um, there were, I believe the last preliminary roster they submitted was 36 men. So wasn't too many cuts, but they've finally down to 30 men. They're in pool A with Cuba, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, Panama, and Italy. So they have a very good chance to make it out of the, of the pool. It's a super tight contested pool all five teams are are equal at least in the same tier in my opinion so i wouldn't be surprised if if we saw any of the five make it out um and then uh one other update today that was posted on twitter is the cash rewards for the wbc were released so every national team that competes in the wbc depending on where you finish in the tournament, your country, your country's federation uh, is rewarded with a certain uh, pool of money, with an amount of money. So getting those pulled up on my end right now. The cash rewards breakdown for the 2023 WBC, uh, the, the total pool of rewards for all of, the, all of the teams combined for the whole tournament is 14400000 for the whole tournament. Uh, for the qual the team every team that qualifies for the WBC is rewarded three hundred thousand dollars. Every team that wins their pool, so pool A, B, C, and D, the winners will also be rewarded an additional three hundred thousand. Every team that qualifies for or or I guess makes it to the quarterfinals, four hundred thousand dollars. $500,000 for making it to the semifinals, another $500,000 for making it to the final, and then a $1 million uh, reward for winning the WBC. So that means that every country in the WBC will make up a minimum of $300,000 for just, if you, if you qualify, don't win any games, your team has made $300,000. So if, if, let's say the four teams that qualified for the first time this year, Nicaragua, Panama, uh, Panama has qualified in the past, but Nicaragua, Great Britain, and uh, Czech Republic. Even if they don't succeed, they don't win any games, they have they will be rewarded $300,000. If you win your pool and you win the whole tournament, that can be up to a maximum of $3 million. And 50% of that money goes to the federations and the other 50% goes to the players. So... It's really interesting. I've been asked, asked a lot and I've wondered myself what the, the money looks like, like what the reward of winning the tournament and participating in the WBC is, because I know for a lot of these small countries that, that that's a big deal. Like even just $300,000 for a federation that's very new to baseball uh, can really, really help grow baseball in, in that country. So it's really cool to see that $300,000 for the minimum up to $3 million for the maximum uh, amount that you can you can be rewarded so let's see so that's the cash rewards talked about taiwan's final roster um yeah so that move brings us into i guess what's going to take up most of this time i did not expect for this whole episode to be full of 
just player news. I didn't think we were going to have that many players commit or decommit in the last, uh, just in this final week before the, the couple days before we uh, had final rosters, but we have a lot. So uh, I can go ahead and go into those really quick. I'm going to get those players pulled up on my end. We're going to start with the players that committed because that's some good news. New players that we didn't realize we were going to see in the WBC. We'll start with Trace Thompson. Trace Thompson is an outfielder for the Dodgers. He is committed to play for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. So the reason that he's eligible to play for Great Britain is Trace's father, uh, Michael Thompson, who actually played in the NBA, is Bahamian. And since he was born in the Bahamas in 1955, prior to the Bahamas independence from Britain in 1973, that means that Michael Trace's father is eligible for citizenship in Great Britain. And also since Trace is, uh, since that's his son, Trace is also eligible for British citizenship. So because of that, he's going to play on Great Britain's team for the World Baseball Classic. Another one, Roanzi Contreras, a pitcher for the Pirates, is on the preliminary roster for the Dominican Republic. And this is pretty good news because we've seen a lot of players decommit or no longer be included on the roster, especially pitchers for, for Dominican Republic. So to see another guy step up and be included in the roster is pretty good news. Um, he had a, a pretty good season in his first, I guess, his rookie campaign. I think he started maybe two games in 2021, but his true rookie season was 2022. So he'll be a good addition to the team. Another uh, Mitch, I'm going to hope I say this right, Mitch Osnowitz is a pitcher in the independent league right now. He is committed to play for Israel, or at least he's on the preliminary roster for Israel. So Mitch most recently played for the Charleston Dirty Birds in the Atlantic League in 2022 and was a member of the Twins and Diamondbacks organizations in 2021. So he is on the on the pitching staff for uh, Israel's preliminary roster. And we got two for Puerto Rico. Um, and these are pretty big, especially... Uh, the, the relief pitcher. So we have Giovanni Moran, uh, who is a left-handed relief pitcher for the, the Twins. Uh, he had a really strong 2022, honestly, in the, out of the bullpen for Minnesota. In 40 innings pitched, 40.2 innings pitched, he had a 2.21 ERA, a 1.05 whip, 54 strikeouts to only 18 walks. So Puerto Rico's team is going to be run their pitching staff is going to be run by the bullpen they have a lot of very very solid bullpen arms and not too many strong starting pitching uh the the only two really i guess there's three three starting pitchers that will probably start games for them their ace is clearly jose barrios they also have marcus stroman who in 2017 won the wbc mvp with usa uh, and then the other one that will probably see start is Seth Lugo, who's kind of gone back and forth between starting and relieving. Um, but all the other names that we know on the pitching staff so far are relievers. So, but their their bullpen is pretty stacked. Edwin Diaz, Alexis Diaz, uh, Jorge Lopez, Michael Givens, Emilio Pagan, uh, and now we have uh, Giovanni Moran. So that's a very very strong bullpen, one of the stronger in the tournament. Sure. So I'm excited to see them. Uh, and then Nelson Velasquez for Puerto Rico as well. He's outfield an outfielder for the Cubs. Uh, just made his debut, uh, his MLB debut in 2022. Finished the season with six home runs and 26 RBIs. 
and five steals in 77 games. So that one's pretty big. They don't have many outfielders, so uh, he could start in right field for them. It's probably going to come down to him or MJ Melendez with Kike Hernandez in uh, center field. And then in left field, let's see. Well, they'll probably have Eddie Rosario. So Eddie Rosario, Kike Hernandez, and then right field, it'll be MJ Melendez or Nelson Velasquez. Uh, Steven Woods Jr., a uh, pitcher that is previous was previously in, in the Royals organization. He's a free agent currently. Um, he mostly played in, in double-A this last year, I believe. He is on Italy's roster. And then uh, for the Czech Republic team, they actually had three players that have been, uh, four players that have been announced in this last week. So Martin Chervenka, uh, Marek Klup, Eric Sogard, and Martin Schneider have all been officially announced on the Czech roster for the WBC. And all four of those guys are like probably the four of the biggest guys that they could have commit for, uh, for the Czech team. Martin Shervenka is widely known as the most successful Czech player of all time. He spent years in, in uh, affiliated ball, a lot of time in AA and AAA. He's their starting catcher, um, had a really great has had, had a lot of had really good numbers in the qualifiers for the uh, for the WBC back in September. Um, Marek Klup is one of their best hitters as well. He's what a couple of people I've seen on Twitter, um, a lot of the Czech fans, they've referred to him as the Czech Aaron Judge. He plays right field. He's massive. He currently plays for North Greenville University, who won the the D two national championship last year, and he was a in large part to him. Um, he was their cleanup hitter for the most of the year, I believe. Um, he absolutely mashes. He's massive. He's really fast, so uh, has a really strong arm. In the qualifiers, he gunned down a runner from third base in the bottom of the seventh, I believe, in the clinching game for them to make it to the WBC. Um, there was like two outs, and he, he gunned down the runner uh, from right field. So... He's a great addition. And then uh, Martin Schneider, who was the starting pitcher in the clinching game of the WBC for the qualifiers for them when he pitched seven innings with only one run earned against Spain, who most people thought Spain would, would qualify instead of the Czech uh, national team. He's a fireman. He's not even a full-time baseball player. So I'm really excited to get to see him play in the WBC and hopefully uh, pitch some big innings for them. Um, yeah, that's all the players. It's a lot of players that have committed in the last couple of days. There's even more players, though, that have decommitted or there's news that they will most likely not be playing in the World Baseball Classic. We'll start with Kenley Jansen because he's kind of 50-50. Uh, Rob Bradford, baseball isn't boring's own Rob Bradford, just tweeted today that Kenley Jansen is not expected to play in the World Baseball Classic for the Kingdom of the Netherlands unless they were to make it to the semifinals. And the reason for that is because their, their pool stage is in Taichung, Taiwan. And the if they were to make it to the quarterfinals, it would be in uh, it would be in Tokyo. So that's a ton of travel. It's like four, it's a 14 hour difference uh, from Miami to Tokyo. So uh, it, it's it, it's mostly because of the time difference and the travel issues um, between spring training and the WBC. So if they were to make it to the court of the semifinals in Miami, it's most likely that he would join the team. And I think they have a decent chance to make it to the semifinals. 
it's going to be really tough to get past the teams in Pool B, Korea, and uh, in Japan, but uh, it's possible. So if they make it, he'll be their closer for the semifinals and finals most likely, but it's still not confirmed one way or another. And then for the actual like list of players that are not going to play. So G-Man Choi will not be playing for Korea in the WBC, unfortunately. Um, that was a... That was a pretty big blow. Uh, I think that they'll be fine. They're not going to, it's not going to leave a massive hole in their lineup, I would say, because they have a couple other very solid first basemen on the team. But he's just such a likable figure and for both MLB fans and KBO fans that it, it was just going to be so much fun to see him on the team. Um, the Pirates filed an objection due to the elbow surgery that he had last November. And if, if a player has had recent surgery, had one, or, or is having one this uh, offseason, then you're allowed to block that player from playing, and that's what Pirates did. So he's not going to play. For Italy, honestly, it was a, br a brutal last couple days. Nick Vespi is confirmed to not be playing in the WBC. This is due to his hernia surgery he had in the offseason. And then two massive ones, Jordan Romano, is also not going to be playing in the WBC for Italy or for Canada. He had previously committed to Italy. There's no word on why he withdrew. Most likely, he just wants to focus on spring training. And then Brandon Nimmo is also not going to be playing for Italy. That one's brutal because he was going to probably be, if not their best, a top two or three hitter in their lineup. He's going to be their starting center fielder. He played for the Italian national team in 2017. So uh, Italy is not in a good – today was not a good day. They're still going to be fine. Again, they're in pool A with a lot of other teams that are uh, of, of similar caliber to them. But they're not in the same – they're not in the same situation as they were a couple days ago. So that one was, that was, that one was rough. And then also two other big ones, and probably the biggest news of today. This just came out today, breaking news on Twitter. Carlos Correa is not going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic. And this one sucks because he is one of the most fun players and most entertaining to watch in all of baseball. He played in 2017 with Puerto Rico. He was their starting third baseman. He moved over to third base so that Francisco Lindor could play shortstop. He was going to do the same thing. And even up to like a couple of weeks ago, it was it was confirmed that he would be playing in the WBC. It was going to be Jose Miranda at first base, Javier Baez at second, Francisco Lindor at shortstop, and Carlos Correa at third base. And that is one of the most fun infields we've, we ever see in the WBC. So the fact that he's not able to play is just gut-wrenching for for any baseball fans, but especially Puerto Rican fans. I just, I feel for their fan base and, and Puerto Ricans that watch the WBC and are baseball fans because he's, I mean, if not their captain, he's one of the most influential players on that team as well. The reason is mostly at least what was reported because his wife is due with their second child. Daniela is going to have their second baby within like, that same week, within a couple of days of when the first couple of games for Puerto Rico are starting in the WBC. So it makes sense. He wants to be with his family. He wants to uh, focus on being there for his wife and for his, his children. Um, it just, it, it, it just sucks for, for baseball. 
And a lot of fans on Twitter actually don't believe that. They think it's more of an injury thing. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate one way or another. Um, he had all of that, those injury issues with the uh, the medical reports with the Giants and the Mets and, and the Twins this offseason. So who knows if the Twins just told him that he probably shouldn't play and he said, yeah, or if it's actually because of his, his wife. I'm inclined to believe that, I mean, if your wife is due the day – that you're supposed to be playing a baseball game, you're probably not going to play. So it's unfortunate, but it makes sense. And then the last one, Framber Valdez, he said today um, that he is most likely, or he said he's not sure yet if he's going to play in the World Baseball Classic for Dominican Republic. He threw a ton of innings last year. Astros won the World Series, in case you missed it. They... He was a workhorse for them all season, and so he threw over 200 innings, uh, including the innings from the postseason into the World Series, pitched into into November, almost into mid-November because the World Series was so late this year. Um, so he, he mentioned that he doesn't know if he's going to play in the WBC. He really wants to, but he said, quote, I'm not ready. I have to rest my shoulder. I'll talk to my psychologist to see – what decision I'll make. So I get it. It makes sense. He's pitched a lot of, uh, a lot of innings this year. And when he committed previously, he, it wasn't even in the playoff. They, the Astros weren't in the playoffs yet. So we didn't know the type of workload that would be on his shoulder. Um, but if he does not play, Oh, that is a massive, massive loss for a previously, uh, elite, elite pitching rotation for the Dominican Republic. If Framber doesn't play, then they're missing Framber Valdez, Luis Castillo, uh, and who am I missing? And uh, Freddy Peralta. All four would be missing the World Baseball Classic. And it would leave Sandy Alcantara, who's amazing, and Christian Javier, and Johnny Cueto. But that is a big step down from, uh, from a lot of those guys that are going to be missing going to be missing the tournament and the potential that we had saw from the domain for, from the Dominican pitching for the first time ever. We've never seen this kind of pitching from the, the Dominican team in the WBC. So this was going to be totally unprecedented to match with their elite lineup. So I'm really, really hoping he gets to play. It makes sense. He pitched longer into the season than anyone else, but it's just, it would be so unfortunate for baseball for the WBC and especially Dominican fans. So those are all the players that have decommitted or are no longer going to be playing or withdrew or have been blocked, whatever reason it was. Um, sadly, we're going to see a lot of players. A lot of those guys are not going to be in the WBC. Uh, all that being said, I did want to address a couple of things that I've seen on Twitter because there's some confusion with the way that like blocking players or uh, keeping players from playing in the WBC works. Just full stop, the MLB cannot decide for players or for teams whether a player is going to play or not in the WBC. It ultimately always comes down to the MLB club and the player. Most of the time, it ends up the player's decision. Of course, 
a team, an MLB club can say, Hey, we don't want you to play. We think it would be, we would not, we would not like you to play. We need you to be in spring training to focus on whatever it is. Kenley Jansen with the pitch clock or Wilson Contreras with, um, with his new pitching staff, whatever the reason is, or you pitched way too many innings last year. We need you to stay healthy and stay in spring training. They can recommend whatever they want. Ultimately, it comes down to the player's decision unless it is injury related. And that is the one time that teams, MLB clubs do get to quote unquote block players. I'll read off the injury rules for the chronic injury requirements to be able to block a player uh, because I don't think it's very clear for a lot of fans and rightfully so these haven't been posted anywhere. This is the rules from 2017 that have seemed to carry over into the 2023 WBC. So it says under the rules for the most recent WBC in 2017, this also applies to 2023 teams were able to block players from participating under certain injury related parameters. So they can't just block for any reason. It ultimately still comes down to the player's decision. But under these parameters, those parameters were, one, if a player spent 60 total days on the injured list during the most recent MLB season, including at least 15 of the final 60 days of the season. So that would include, for example, Jazz Chisholm, I believe. He, I, believe I believe he played more than 60 days or had more than 60 days on the injured list in 2022. So not official one way or another if he's going to be playing or not, but the Marlins do have the authority to block him from playing. Number two were physically, the player was physically unable to play in two of his team's last three games in the most recent season, regular season or postseason games, just the last two of the last three games of the season. Number three, had in, had surgery since last opening day or is scheduled to have surgery in the future? So if a player had surgery anytime since this last opening day in 2022, a year ago, or is scheduled to have one soon in the future, the team is allowed to block a player from playing in the WBC. And then fourth, if the player was on the injured list on the last day of August of the most recent MLB season. So if it was like later than the last day of August or later, um, then I believe the team would be allowed to block them. So other than those reasons, there's no blocking a player from playing in the WBC. It's like strongly recommending a lot of these players will take that into consideration. So I don't know, for example, Carlos Correa, if the team says, we do not want you to play, your medicals were sketch, you are, your wife is due, you should stay in spring training and stay with your family. He can decide one way or another what he wants to do. Um, I don't think it's dishonorable or disrespectful to not play. And the WBC, I think it's a huge honor to play in the tournament, but I don't necessarily see it as these players dishonoring their country. Um, there's so many different situations that these players can be involved in or uh, circumstances that these players can be under and that we don't really know what they're going through individually. So while it makes me really sad and bummed out when we see these players aren't going to be playing in the WBC, I'm not like upset at them. Um, I get it. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances to just playing in the WBC. I want to see 
all of the greatest players for Venezuela play for the national team. I want to see all the Puerto Rican, like the, the strongest Puerto Rican players play for the Puerto Rican national team. Japan, Cuba, I want to see the best WBC possible. But it's not the MLB. This is ultimately an MLB product. They want to promote this tournament. Whether they do that well or not, that's we can debate that all day long. But it's not an MLB decision. It's the player's decision with strong recommendations from the teams, unless it is injury related, then the teams can block the players. So all that being said, I, I kind of wanted to just end with this segment, I guess, wanted to end with just saying, I, this is a bummer. <laughs> I was probably the least liked and least popular guy on baseball Twitter today <laughs> announcing that Henley Jansen might not play, G-Man Choi won't play, Jordan Romano, Brandon Nimmo, Carlos Correa. Um, no one liked my tweets. <laughs> no one was happy to see that news, especially me, me most of all. But with all of that being said, I'm still so excited for this tournament. There's just so much potential still for the WBC to be the best WBC we've ever seen. The names that are in the news right now are the players that are decommitting, but we, we can't forget the players that are still playing. We have Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, we have Paul Goldschmidt, we have um, we have Shohei Otani, we have Munitaka Murakami and Yoshinobu Yamamoto for Japan. Uh, we have the whole Dominican lineup. We have uh, Juan Soto and Manny Machado and Sandy Alcantara, Cy Young winner. We have Julio Urias, one of the best pitchers in the league for the Dodgers. Um, we have Alejandro Kirk. Joy Manessis, one of the biggest breakout stars of 2022. Uh, there's, it is still a star-studded baseball World Cup. This classic is going to be the best one we've ever seen. I'm just waiting for the final rosters to come out so that we can stop speculating one way or another. Um, so, yeah, don't give up hope. It's it, it, it's not going to be. It's not like this tournament is going to dissolve. This is something that the, whether whether fans, some fans like it or not, or whether this is like what MLB fans want, the future of baseball is international, it's global. So there's no way that the WBC is going to dissolve. Um, I've seen a lot of people speculating over that, but it's, there's no way. This is, it's too much fun. It's too special and important for these players to get to play for their country and represent their, their people. So yeah, it's gonna be the best. I just can't wait for March to actually get here. So that was a lot. I've been talking for half an hour. Um, I thought we could end with some Q and A. I thought we'd do more Q and A today, but we probably only have time for a couple. Uh, if, if you submitted questions on Twitter, on the tweet that I asked for Q and A questions and I don't get to them, I'm going to try to get to the rest of them or at least most of them next week uh, or, or on Thursday for this next uh, episode. I just don't think I'll be able to cover too many today. So. We will start with some Q&A. Um, one from Travis Gage, at underscore Travis Gage on Twitter. Uh, love you, man. Miss you. Uh, one of my college friends as well. So Travis said, from the top five teams, which young players under 25 do you think will have the biggest impact on their team's performance? So players under 25 years old and the first players that come to mind for me, and I know that you said, so you said top five teams in the tournament. 
Um, I'm looking at the rosters for the top five teams, and I would say there's a consensus top three. There's USA, Dominican Republic, and Japan. After that, the next tier would probably be Italy go to Japan. The reason I say that is because Japan, this is one of their 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 strongest, this might be the strongest Samurai Japan team ever in national team history, but at the same time, it's one of their youngest teams they've ever had. If you look at the age of most of their players, their stars, for the except with the exception of a couple, are all 25 or under. It's incredible. So, for example, their their best two pitchers that are not in the MLB, so they have Shohei Otani and Yu Darvish, but the best two pitchers in the NPB that's on the national team, Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Roki Sasaki, are both under 25 years old. Yamamoto is 24 and Roki Sasaki is 21. Um, I think that they are going to absolutely be lights out in the WBC, and I think that they are going to be some of the, the best pitchers in the tournament. Um, they, I, I talked about this last episode, but MLB pitchers have not had any opportunity to study them or, uh, or get a feel for what their pitches look like, so I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and, and be some of the most dominant pitchers in the WBC. Um, you said under 25, but Lars Newbar is 25 years old, so I'll include him. Uh, for he's, he'll, be, he'll be center field for Samurai Japan. I think he's going to make a big impact on the team. Uh, and then, let's see. I'll go to the Dominican team. Let's see. I've got the Dominican roster pulled up. One of the best players in all of MLB, Juan Soto. He's playing. He's 24 years old. He could easily win the the MVP for both the WBC and MLB. So I think that he's going to be an anchor in the middle of that lineup and will make a massive impact in Pool D against the uh, Puerto Rico and Venezuela, Israel and Nicaragua, and then also just as, as they go on the tournament, they could easily win the tournament. And I think that he could be uh, maybe even their best pitcher, uh, one of the best hitters. I apologize uh, in the lineup. Same with J Rod. Same with Jeremy Pena. That line, that lineup is so young. Uh, they, how old is Rafi Devers? Let's see. Rafael Devers is he's twenty six. Oh, I was so close. I I <laughs> I knew he was right around twenty five years old. Um, so just misses out on on your cutoff, Travis. But that lineup is. Unbelievable and, and and very young. If you look at Team USA, um, you got a lot of those guys are older than 25 years old. They're all veterans. Um, you look at guys like Trout, Betts, Turner, Neil, Arenado, uh, Goldschmidt, Real Muto. They're all definitely veterans. Um, Kyle Tucker is 26 as well, but one guy that we know that's on the team that is younger than – he might actually be the only one that's younger than 25 – uh, is, is Bobby Witt Jr. So he'll get an opportunity to play, uh, probably some shortstop, maybe second base or third base. I'm not sure where they'll fit him in because that infield is two stacks. But he'll definitely get some pinch hit at bats. Um, and then, I mean, I would have him as the the leading pinch runner for the tournament or for the for the Team USA in the Classic. He's insanely fast. He's lightning on the base pass. Um, so he could make an impact on the base pass for sure. So yeah, those are the guys I think of when I think of the like top players that will make an impact that are under 25 uh, in those top five teams. Um, next, from 
at TYP underscore speed. He says, hello from Brazil. Do you think WBC should have 24 or 32 teams in 2026? That's a good question. So I think right now, so in 2017, there were 16 teams that played in the WBC and they expanded in 20 in this year in 2023 to 20 teams going to 24, I think is reasonable for sure. Um, I could see there being four more teams that could put together a very solid roster for the world baseball classic. So for example, Brazil, you're from Brazil, Brazil had a very solid chance at making at qualifying. I was so upset when they didn't qualify for the WBC, um, but they could have guys like Bo Bichette and Jan Gomes and a lot of guys in the minor leagues um, fill out that roster. So that would be a really fun team to see. Um, Germany almost qualified. Spain almost qualified. Um, so there's there's a couple of teams, even, even Curacao, who currently plays under the Kingdom of the Netherlands, but they've been kind of trying to make their own national team and national federation to get up to par with a lot of the other national teams around the world so that they can compete separately and like individually on their own. So I think that you could easily find 24 teams, 32 teams is, is tough. I think once you expand to 32 teams that you're going to leave a couple of those lower level teams out to dry in, in the WBC. I just don't think the competition is quite there for to, to have 32 teams. I think 24 is de definitely reasonable. So That'd be cool to see. I, I, the whole goal of the WBC is to grow baseball internationally and globally. So that'd be fun to see them continue to expand. Uh, another one from Jeff on uh, on Twitter at jdubs underscore yt. What league or leagues, if any, do you follow outside of MLB, and who are some of your favorite non MLB players? Uh, I, I saw this uh, this tweet in my last Q and A tweet as well. I didn't get to answer it. I will answer it this time with a question. Who do you think I should follow or like outside of the MLB? And the reason I ask that is because I don't follow a ton of leagues super closely. I'm very new to like East Asian baseball following the NPB, uh, KBO and CPBL. So I know a lot of those players on a very shallow level, but I don't know them too well. And for the most part, the players that I know are the ones on the national teams. I know a lot of Samurai Japan's roster and, and uh, Korea's roster and Taiwan's roster. Outside of them, I, I don't have, I'm not too familiar with the players yet because 2022 was the first year I really started watching other leagues outside of MLB. And then I tried to watch some of the winter leagues in Latin America as well, but didn't I didn't get to watch too many games. So I'm trying to watch the Caribbean series right now, not necessarily a league. It's more just a tournament, international tournament. So yeah, I'll pose that question to you, Jeff, but then also just to my listeners and followers, who do you think, what leagues would you like to see me follow closer in 2023? What teams should I emphasize? And I guess most importantly, what players do you think I should spotlight or highlight or really like, I guess, dig into and research um, whether they're planning on moving over to MLB or not. This could be players that have uh, veterans in, in, in their domestic league for years or uh, might be young stars that have, have a lot of potential. So I'd like to hear from you all, whether it's in the YouTube comments or 
on my Twitter, um, however you'd like to reach out to me, DMs, whatever. Um, who are you? some of your favorite players outside of MLB that you'd like to watch in, in favorite leagues? So, yeah, I think that is probably it. Coop, I'm going to look over, you know, we've been talking for a while. I might try one more question. Okay, I'll do another one. Okay. Uh, and this question from at Orioles underscore tragic. <laughs> That's a fun name. Um, who has the stronger team, <laughs> Mexico or Venezuela? I don't think we're really going to know until we, we see the final rosters this week. But I, I really liked Venezuela's team. And at the same time, I thought that Mexico was super underrated. I think right off the bat, I would say probably Venezuela, but losing Acuna and losing Wilson Contreras are massive. Those are two of the biggest bats in, in their lineup for Venezuela. For Mexico, they have a lineup that is very solid uh, and some pitchers that are very solid as well. Uh, I could I could easily see them making it out of the pool stage and, and even moving on to quarter and semifinals if they... Uh, if Julio Rodriguez, uh, sorry, Julio Urias or Jose Arquiti, Patrick Sandoval really has a strong start. Uh, their their bullpen is pretty decent as well. They're missing a couple of their strongest bullpen arms, but I don't know. That's tough. I think we're going to have to wait to see with the final rosters. Um, so yeah, I'll end with that. Final rosters for the WBC are due tomorrow, as of the time I'm recording this, or today. If it is now Tuesday, February 7th, final rosters are due. I think there's a couple substitutions that can be made that are like injury related up to the tournament, but official final rosters are supposed to be due tomorrow, the 7th. And on the 9th, Thursday, that is when rosters are supposed to be actually uh, uh, like publicly announced. So we don't know how they're going to be announced quite yet, but we should know all the teams by Thursday. So we will see. We will have a lot to talk about on that episode. Hopefully going to record Thursday night. If not Thursday night, then maybe Friday. We'll see um, what that looks like with, with all the roster news. But, yeah, this was a long episode. Thank you so much if you made it all the way to this point with me. That was a lot of news. Not all of it good news for the, the WBC. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I wasn't able to get to more Q and a questions. We just had so much to go over today. So I'm really going to try to get to the ones that have already been asked in the next episode. Feel free to send me more questions. I'd love to hear your feedback, whether it's on YouTube or on my Twitter. Um, I, I really, really appreciate you listening. This has been so much fun to cover the tournaments, even with all of the, I guess, bad news. It's, it's still such a fun tournament. So, I. Uh, just thank you for the, the support. This has been a ton of fun. So yeah, I think we'll end it there. Y'all have a good night or good morning whenever you're listening to this. And I will see you soon. Talk to you soon.